Welcome back to Mark's Madness Chunkaluta collaboration. Oh, oh yeah. Welcome back. back. <laughs> Welcome back. We are doing it again. Doing it with all three of us again. Ooh. Yes, yes, yes. The, the weekly on-off cycle of who, when will, it, let's be real, Nathan, when will Nathan not be here, um, has, has been a fun adventure, and I thank you all for uh, joining that adventure with us. Um, Nathan's slacking now that he can. That's all it is. <laughs> Five years in, I decided that's when I'm going to start coasting. That's when I'm yeah. going to really, really start calling in, playing hooky. Yeah, he gives us these crazy excuses like he left his his roast beef in the oven and stuff. <laughs> my steamed hams are burning. Uh, I don't watch like, I don't. I don't even know if that legs. joke hits. My steamed hams are burning. I got nothing. I'm just throwing out cultural osmosis and hoping it sticks. Uh, AKA no, yeah, my role kids, in the show. That's really hip with the kids these days. I hear. Steve. Oh, it really that, is. Oh, I'm trying to get this. Yeah, that particular. That's, that's who I'm targeting. Clip, yeah. That's exactly who I'm targeting. Well, that all being said, uh, we are continuing our reading of The Red Deal this week once again. Uh, and we will do that momentarily at the top of page 78. Get your pages ready. But before we do, as we are wont to do, we were going to discuss some current events. Uh, yeah. And for that, I kick it to Shugmani too. So, well, okay. To start off, I guess we'll get the quicker one out of the way. Um, in Peru... Uh, the right-wing coup government that's arrested Castillo is now trying to pass a law that allows them to strip the rights of uncontacted indigenous people who had uh, special reservations set up for them um, by the previous government. Uh, that's like one of the big reasons the indigenous bloc supports Castillo. Uh, but like, you know, it's the classic settler colonial fucking shtick where as soon as they have a chance to, they will strip our rights and then come to murder us. I mean, yeah, uh, Bolivia, I mean, Brazil. I was going to say that there's direct echoes to the, the coup in Brazil and Bolsonaro coming into to power and stripping the, uh, um, uncontacted, uncontacted indigenous, rights in the amazon so that they can start burning down the amazon so well no, yeah, he literally armed like miners and stuff and sent mm-hmm. them in to just hunt people down like something like four or five uh leaders got killed by these fucking uh, death squads yeah and that's that's why it's important to go through these works and to really tie this stuff back you know get, break out of that like primitive accumulation mindset and realize that that it was you know the frontiers, the end of wars, all those that, that bring about this. Because settler colonialism, the, the manifest destiny, didn't just go west. It only went west officially. That whole Monroe Doctrine is manifest destiny going south. And this is a continuation right. of that. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that's Peru. Uh, so we have the similar situation uh, here in America, of course. And uh, one of the more glaring examples we have right now is We've had a storm hit, so I figured this would happen. That's why I started raising money forever ago. Because um, I already knew people were going to need wood, because they do every year. Yeah, Every year I send money home to cut down wood, but I was like, well, you know, I could put together something. So now that I'm doing Chunkaluta or whatever... Um, 
that was the goal essentially is this is like going to be the annual main event that we organize for every year is that we want to bring about grassroots aid to uh, indigenous people out there and like ideally like go out there and actually repair the homes instead of just trying to survive every winter, you know, like actual long-term fixing rather than short-term survival. Uh, That said, uh, yeah, uh, you know, if you remember, uh, we had helped an elder that was burning their clothes. That wasn't an isolated incident at that time. And now because of the storm where they had like 20 foot snow drifts, I mean, like people's houses are completely buried. Like, you know, that's pretty rough. Um, but they've already found four people dead on Rosebud. Oh, no, five people dead now on Rosebud last time I looked. And then uh, it's three on Pine Ridge they found dead. And uh, so that's eight, you know, too many. Uh, and then over by me in Michigan, because the storm moved this way, you know. Uh, yeah. So in Asheville, they had a person freeze to death due to exposure because uh, the electric company turned off their electric. And so the fan didn't blow the heat into the rest of the house. So they were paying their gas bill, but because they also didn't pay their electric bill, they froze to death. Oh my God. Solid. And then, like, down in Chicago, similar things going on, of course, with the houseless population there. So I'll send a GoFundMe and a couple other things for a Chicago group that I think you should support. But it's rough out there, and uh, we got to really think about how to actually organize dual power in this country and... uh, Protecting like houseless encampments is probably going to be one of the bigger ones because, you know, people are going to need somewhere they can brave the elements that isn't a colonial structure, essentially. (laughs) Unfortunately, houseless camps or encampments are sometimes the only examples of a dual power system set up where, you know, uh, police don't go there until they're going there to sweep, you know. Yeah. And then they fuck everybody up. So, um, and that that reminds me, uh, there are still fights against. I think they called it cop. Do they call it cop force now. Yeah. Well, they're trying to prevent In Atlanta. Uh, they're trying to prevent the cops from taking over. And cop not town. Even- yeah, cop towns. What it, it, there's yeah. a basically a, a forest in Atlanta where um, homeless. Um, communities kind of gather and uh because you know i mean it's it's good shelter and they're trying to knock that down and put up a police training academy um and so there's people organizing against that before people were arrested in that and and charged with terrorism because let's Mm. remember you know what terrorism means like people again you know think like oh my god like 9-11 and of course yes that is but most of the time it it means like somebody you know somebody did something to, to prevent uh, an oil pipeline to go in or, or, you know, trees get knocked down or homeless encampment to, to get swept or something like that. You know, it's not, it's not normally like bombing buildings and stuff, unfortunately. And uh, yet they take the same word and plaster it. So that like that conjuring of like mass shootings and bombings and things like that comes to your head. Um, well, and like speaking of like, you know, the terrorist label, I mean, a lot of Black Lives Matter people got called terrorists. Yes. Oh, yeah. So it's like, I don't know. You, you can't. 
peaceful protest. Me- it's a meaningless way. Yeah, exactly. What a meaningless word if you could call them a terrorist. My grandma was a domestic terrorist for a while, uh, according to the government. And so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like, you know, just cash. Whatever. It just gets slapped on, on, on everyone that, that does any kind of worthwhile fighting. Literally, um, I mean, well, yeah, and she was kind of a little more hardcore than some dude. But, like, you know, I, I just think it's crazy that, like, you meet her and it's like this little old lady. Mm-hmm. You're gonna put her on a terrorist watch list. Come on. <laughs> um, and then extension of that too is is um, you know people still they they have a, a better view of of the U.S. prison system than what is actually there, and so they think you know homeless people will, will take care of themselves. Not only do they think shelters are, are better than they actually are, and don't realize the black mold and violence and things like that problems, but they think people will go you know two hots in a cot and 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 get in jail, and so. That further dehumanizes the prison population. Of course, you see a natural disaster. Prisons are always, always oh, yeah. a place of mass human rights violations. Um, I know Bullock um, um, uh, Correctional Institution in uh, Alabama uh, had some pipes burst in below freezing temperature with oh, no heat. No. Uh, so that was particularly glaring. And that's, of course, a, another prison with human rights violations um, being complained about right now. Um, and that's just that, that that's one example of of the many. I mean, we've seen them not evacuated in, in hurricanes and, you know, th- these kind of things happen um, largely because of, of global. Well, this one specifically, definitely because of global warming or, or climate change, since we've had to start calling it that because people can't think Earth get hotter. Bad things happen. They, they just, oh, it's not hot. But, uh, you know, due to climate change, especially the specific one happens and then people in prisons are left behind. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's only going to get worse. I mean, and with the whole like temperature control issue, you know, as soon as you're like, hey, we should like maybe get them air conditioning. (laughs) People could be like, why can't we have that in our schools? It's like, well, that's a good point. Why can't we? That's a great question. Yeah. I I see your question and I raise you. I ask that too. (laughs) Maybe the issue isn't that we need air conditioning, but, you know, indigenous led action to save the earth. So, with that, let's get into the book. Oh, what a buttery. (laughs) Oh, from downtown Shugmani to. Oh, (laughs) nailing it. Jumping back into the reading on page 78. Nathan top of the page like she was here last time uh, yeah oh yeah uh that's that's my job to pretend i was never not here uh second the united states has shaped a world economy predicated on free trade agreements that favor the wealthy nations these agreements open up markets in the global south to heavily subsidize food commodities from the global north causing local farmers to go out of business free trade agreements are designed to favor large corporations including big agribusiness This puts small farmers throughout the world at peril. These trade agreements pit farm workers and farmers against each other, leading to declining labor rights, environmental regulations, and commodity markets that are important to small-scale farmers like coffee growers. The North American Free Trade Agreement, NAFTA, of 1994 
was an instructive example of the effect of U.S. commodities like industrially farmed corn, which are supported by federal subsidies and price protections, being sold at low prices in Mexico and Central America, where subsistence farmers cannot compete. Many of these displaced corn farmers fill the ranks of migrants who have had to either move to urban areas in their home countries or make the passage to the United States. In addition, these agreements open up land and resources for privatized development, causing the displacement of indigenous populations and leaving environmental catastrophes. Enshrined in these agreements are the rules that ensure low wages and global wage disparities, as well as little to no protections for the environment. These conditions force many to migrate in search of jobs. And while we're on free trade agreements and, and NAF, the two things I, I want to touch on one that is one of the unfortunate shortcomings of, of AMLO. In addition to you know jumping in on on the Haiti stuff, is AMLO resigned the the renewal of NAFTA, which I'm pretty sure he was explicitly uh, elected to not do because uh, <laughs> it was coming up. Uh, but the other thing too is um, when this is talking about. The free trade agreements. It's a good reminder. Uh, this whole book and and anything that looks at the actual history of the settler colony that is the United States is a good example. The free market was never really a free market, right? It was bullying and extraction and genocide of indigenous people and black people brought over for slavery. Uh, and then it's completely upheld by exploitation. But it's also now that it's in place, always rigging the game against itself. This is talking about government subsidies. So you have to pay taxes in and the taxes that should be going to, um, I don't know, like making sure reservations can, can have heat and electricity, making sure people have housing and food and, and upholding quality. treaty agreements. What a concept. I know. <laughs> making sure. Well, no, I mean, no, we would have to like renegotiate to start talking about electricity. Well, I mean, <laughs> uh, come on. <laughs> money, money that should be going to, uh, Maybe you know, healthcare. Maybe some health care, a little kids, bit, school, just a little bit. Things like that. What doesn't go to bombs goes to subsidies for corporations. $850 billion for military spending is great. Yeah, yeah why not? Um, but whatever whatever isn't, and let's face it, the, the going to the, the military and, and defense, that is a subsidy for corporations, just weapons manufacturers. But whatever else is subsidies for corporations, right? And so what that does is exactly what this describes. It allows them to compete because they're at the point of monopoly. So of course they care about profit. You know what they care about? A hell of a lot more than profit? Getting rid of any competition so they can stay on top. And if they can expand to new markets, guess what? You know, a thousand more pennies is as good as, you know, uh, what is it? $10 is as good as $10, right? <laughs> I just, David, I just stop me back. <laughs> so that like flashed you know, me back to sixth grade where my, yeah, I know. Where point, my point I know, being, my profit's not always about margin. <laughs> my principal once said over the loudspeaker, all you need is 60 pennies. That's a dollar. And I was like, I think you're fucking up. <laughs> Nobody said anything about it, so I just, no, nobody calls them on it. No. Nice, appealed to authority. I just had like a fucking flashback, and I'm like, oh yeah, I, I had like chicken nuggets that day. You need a quarter of an hour to get that done, so it's at what twenty five minutes? No, exactly. Right. Third. 
climate change caused by the burning of fossil fuels is also causing desertification, holy cow, drought, stronger hurricanes, rising sea levels, and increasingly extreme weather patterns. Hello, bomb, cyclone, or whatever the heck they want to call it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is another example, and it's going Mm -hmm. to get worse. Yep. This is exacerbating conflict and forcing migration. The United States is about 5% of the world's population but consumes 25% of the world's oil. Additionally, the U.S. military is the number one global consumer of oil. The United States is also the number one greenhouse gas emitter on the planet. The U.S. military is explicitly, by the way. Don't want to hear about, but but China, but India. Nope. USA, baby. All the way. Yeah. Yeah, and the military is not only like just a massive factory of human death and greenhouse gases, but it is also the number one complex. Yeah. Uh, But it's also the number one uh, pollutant too. So it's not just, you know, greenhouse gases. It's also just shit going into the ocean and and everywhere. Oh yeah. I mean, so you think about it, we can, can, we can control 75% of the surface ocean at one time. That is a lot of fucking waste. I mean, yeah, those ships have to go somehow, you know, so why do we need to patrol that at all the times? Well, we guard the shipping lanes to maintain higher um, profits. Isn't it amazing how the American uh, policing system, which is so radically different than the rest of the world, becomes the American military system? You just got to patrol around to harass people for being poorer than you? Well, I mean, like uh, in the Persian Gulf, uh, they had a debate while Trump was still in office about mm-hmm. increasing our uh, Coast Guard presence there. Yeah. And I went, huh, coast, <laughs> Whose coast <guard>? is that? <laughs> Pretty sure we have three coasts that away. <laughs> <You know? laughs> People forget about the third often. So. But, uh, you know, it, I don't know. It's one of those things that it kind of, I feel like, goes over some people's heads, I guess. That, yeah. like, the U.S. military is just like, wasting so much not to mention like the tanks they just give to another military like they just leave them yeah. there yeah <laughs> that's lit what a what an awesome military we're like <laughs> yeah we're gonna invade everybody but we're just gonna make new tanks next time we're gonna keep that profit going <laughs> no these market ones, like the black market these ones have extra treads in places you won't guess Ah, uh, given the damage on the barrel, US imperialist- <laughs> <laughs> damn it! <laughs> like, where would that be on a tank? You know, fuck it, put it on the barrel. <laughs> given the damage U.S. imperialism and global capitalism continue to cause throughout the world, our movements for decolonization and liberation must address both directly. We must start by embracing and practicing an internationalist outlook and commitment. Building a mass anti-war and anti-imperialist movement to end war, sanctions, and resource extraction must be the priority of every progressive and left organization, regardless of their specific quote-unquote issue. Strengthening the international labor movement and uniting workers from the imperial core with workers in the global south must also be a priority and should bring together representatives of workers' movements from around the world. 
One of the demands of such efforts should be the creation of a global minimum wage to end the global wage disparities. The U.S. and other Welsh nations currently exploit differences in minimum wage and the advantage of currency exchange rates to access cheap labor to manufacture goods and extract resources. Workers of the world should be able to make a living wage wherever they are, without having to leave their homelands, and those who do migrate should be afforded livable wages and work conditions. Well, and so, I mean, this would require, like, calculating things based off labor, first off. Because it's like, how would you do that? It's like, oh, well, Karl Marx told us long ago <laughs> that, you know, yard of linen. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, bolts of linen. Bolts of linen. <laughs> how many coats? How many coats is that? But, uh, you know, we, there's this, uh, you know... I guess a disconnect in American society where we don't realize that there's a better way to actually get, you know, paid (laughs) based on how much we actually produce. Um, And so like uh, people vote against their own interests all the time here. Right. And that's partially why, you know, no matter like, I don't like this specific part because it's like, you do kind of need to call out those libs who, you know, are the vote blue no matter who types that, you know, we have Liz Warren. Look, that's basically Bernie. You know, that was like a lot of the Dems fucking thing. And Elizabeth Warren, besides, you know, the bullshit with her claiming indigenous heritage. uh, (laughs) That little oops-a-doozy. You also had her uh, green imperialism you know, policies where like she was talking about like ma- replacing bullets with these bullets that like plant flowers where we murder people. Oh, you must be joking. That's insane. You must be fucking with me. I wish I was. Like that that's was a thing you do in a video game. Idea. Yep. That's a thing you do in a video game, not in real life, you sociopath. That's like something you see in an anime where we're like these psycho- psychopathic, you know, serial killers would go around genociding and their bullets would grow flowers, you know. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Jesus. The flower flayers were their name. You know, some stupid shit like <laughs> yeah. that. They'd be a one-piece villain. They'd be like, it'd be like a mafia. Yeah, That's exactly. how you know they're kill. They identify with the flower. Exactly. <laughs> and so in order to, like, address, you know, both arms of capitals beast you know the dems and the republicans i.e u.s imperialism we must overcome the colonial question here by doing so we hit both at once you know if you actually attack the root the colonial question you'll hit the imperial question it's laid out in juche except they don't say colonialism because they didn't understand it as such because you know they're at a further time and it's kind of you know, it's like, when does colonialism become imperialism? When does colonialism become capitalism? I mean, a lot of people can't really tell you that. And it's kind of like, oh, colonialism is almost a tool. So is imperialism of capitalism. Colonialism goes hand in hand with capitalism when you look at it. I mean, it's it's pretty interesting, especially like even if you take it super far back from a dialectical historical perspective of like going back to the Roman society, you know, and like 
the advertisements and stuff they had there. Like the commodity production of Rome is actually pretty crazy. And the similarities, uh, you know, shouldn't be surprising when you think about the fetishization the founding fathers had for Rome. Right. Oh my God. Yeah. And so like, there, not only there's a reason fascies are up in every government building and it, you should use it to point out like this government well, is actually fascist and has been the whole time in the house really, of representatives. The they have the, the ass. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what? And it's been there for a long time. What? <laughs> oh, it's a Roman symbol. It's like, that, uh-huh. That's exactly why Mussolini picked it. Yeah, it's not exactly. great, gang. That's <laughs> yeah. I was like, that doesn't. That doesn't. It's almost like idealization of the Roman Empire is exactly what the guy who founded the term fascist to describe his ideology, who is obsessed with recreating the Roman Empire, might be right. into. Well, and then you have Nazis calling themselves the Third Reich, meaning the Third Holy Roman Empire, like yeah. It's a That's little obvious. Just, and like, if you think about like, what is a fourth Reich, right? The, you know, what, what there's literally people who came here, you know, smuggled in by the CIA that would speak at like fucking conferences. Elliot Abrams was also speaking at who would say shit. Like I did not come to the United States to lose the third world war, you know? So it's like, yeah. ah, that's yeah. a that's a yikes, yeah, to say the least. A little uh, concerning, yeah. And yeah. I mean, like, you know, Werner von Braun is pretty fucking nuts. But we have the richest man in the world, well, formerly richest man in the world, after his terrible investments and stupidity online, <laughs> Elon Musk. Can you, you know. ima- hold on? No, we need to appreciate that sentence because horrible investments followed by. And he's just a shitty poster, and it's costing him billions of billions dollars. of dollars. Like he's such a bad poster that it's literally costing him money. Yeah. He openly, like, there was a journalist that, like, you know, wrote this huge story about the connection between Elon Musk's tweets and the stocks of Tesla. Right? Yeah. And then he just tweeted out, <laughs> "My my Twitter profile is extremely important to the stock uh, <laughs> prices." Yeah. Which is pretty embarrassing. That was before he talked about like rewriting the whole thing from the ground up. Someone someone caught that out of the chat. That was pretty funny. Beautiful. Which I so I'm a programmer, and let me tell you, if someone came up to me and and like there was some new boss and they said what Elon had said about it being easier to delete everything from the ground up um, because it's quicker. I would be like, okay, I'm quitting now because that would make me think that people at his old jobs would constantly like just try to not pull their hairs out and get themselves fired and be like, yeah, it's just it's faster to rewrite it because they had to scrap all of his fucking code. Like that's exactly what comes to my mind when I hear that. Well, isn't he like personally overseeing the coding? Yeah, which just uh, it does not sound like he's he. Well, uh, from the sounds of it, PayPal was what? Not PayPal. What is it? X. What was his? Yeah. 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 Fucking. uh, That was like unusable, basically. Yeah. 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 I've I've heard nothing. Well, let's let's be real. No one's heard anything positive about Elon Musk. If you're listening to the show, it's not a thing we. (laughs) That is that is our original. 
That, that was our huh? we we brought that out the first episode with the, with the fuck Elon Musk like when people were still like he's he's like the super environmental billionaire and I was like look here apartheid we were on this fuck this guy Star, when Star Trek was putting him on the damn show and saying how great he was for oh yeah years. that's right they did that didn't yeah, when I, when they truth tellers over here when he was getting like wedged into Iron Man movies we were like fuck that guy so fuck that guy um all right. Um, oh, oh, so anyway, I was going to say, but understanding yeah. the anti-colonial like position in the U.S. as being anti-imperialist because we're attacking the beast directly, which then re- provides relief for everybody else, you know, yeah. uh, think think about how that works strategically, huh? <laughs> uh, we, we're all, <clears throat> the you know, indigenous people, I should say. As well as communists now, as you know, as history has proven, are the declared enemy of the United States. And with the indigenous people, we are the original enemies and the original Red Scare. You know. So that is that. Yeah. We must listen to the demands of our relatives from the global south who argue that citizenship for migrants in receiving countries is a human right. Migrants deserve a decent life with full human rights guarantees conferred by citizenship. This should apply not only to future migrants, but the 47 million who currently reside in the United States, regardless of their current legal status. Given the role of U.S. imperialism and its wars economic hoarding, and mass pollution. U.S. citizenship is not the horizon of what we should be trying to achieve when we will call for migrant justice. Well, and that's like, you know, patriotic socialists. They're like, oh, well, that's yeah. the solution to that issue. Just make them American. Yeah, that. Citizenship efforts should pay special attention to climate migrants who are forced to migrate due to climate change caused by the global north and the United States in particular. We must hold the U.S. accountable for driving climate change. We must organize campaigns that force the U.S. to pay reparations for war and climate debt. The U.S. climate debt, calculated through the amount of carbon emissions released into the atmosphere compared to the available budget of atmospheric gases, was estimated in 2015 to be at least $4 trillion. As many nations in the global south have stated, repaying the debt of colonialism and imperialism in full will be impossible for wealthy nations who refuse to change their relationship to poorer nations. Reparations will ensure that countries in the global south will be able to develop sustainably and guarantee sustainable livelihoods for their citizens, thereby decreasing emigration and raising the quality of life for all. As a matter of justice and reparations, we must also organize campaigns to eliminate restrictive immigration policies to in the U.S. This should entail shutting down the camps, shutting down all detention facilities, abolishing ICE, ending family separations, and allowing people to migrate freely. And also, I'm going to add in codifying Roe v. Wade. You know, Nick was? Yeah. At the very least, that's something that should get codified if you, you are a fucking you know, vote voting person, please abdicate for that. The fuck? The fact that didn't happen is fucked up. Is incredibly fucked up. Um, Predictable. Predictable, but fucked up. I mean, it just, out of all the promises I thought they'd keep, codify Roe v. Wade, I mean, that's easy. Oh, that's a layup. 
if they wanted a layup, but no, they yeah, yeah. They don't They're want like, a layup. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna just. I'm gonna play a different game. I'm gonna go play racquetball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Joe Biden's like. I, I actually don't like. I don't like basketball. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> a bad here, analogy. Listen, Listen here, Jack. Jack. Not gonna I'm over a swimmer. <laughs> Area two. New subsection. Free and sustainable housing. Close oh, your eyes. Is, uh, oh. I'm just going to say, I'm going to go pretty into this because this is something like my fa- like aim has been obsessed with forever. And yeah. so you have like liberal expressions of this on my reservation. You have, you know, radical expressions of this, you know, there's, it, it's pretty crazy stuff. The res is different. So we get to experiment a lot more than you white people. <laughs> Makes sense. Fair. Close your eyes, take a breath, and allow yourself to imagine a world where all people enjoy safe, comfortable housing. Imagine a world where no one is poor or hungry, where all families are allowed to stay together and nurture their homes. Imagine a world where having a home does not depend on money or status, but simply on the fact that you are a human being. Imagine a world where everyone has a true home, not just a shelter, but a real home filled with love, laughter, food, rest, and joy. Now open your eyes and look around at what currently counts as a home. Unsheltered relatives sleeping on sidewalks and under tarps, thousands of families living in cars, urban housing filled with cockroaches and cancer-inducing lead, overcrowded reservation houses with no running water or heat, and rundown apartment complexes that overcharge for rent and exploit tenants. There is no safety or dignity under capitalism. Not only do most working-class people have no true home, but many do not even have adequate shelter. Millions are one paycheck, and in some cases less than a week away from being unsheltered. According to the Department of Housing and Urban Development, HUD, 42,000 to 85,000 natives would be unsheltered if relatives were unable or unwilling to squeeze multiple families into already overcrowded homes. Furthermore, HUD estimates an approximate total of 68,000 new housing units are needed in tribal areas to combat this invisible housing crisis a total that matches the more visible 10-year housing plan already in the works for the New York City's crisis for New York City ba 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 already in the works for New York City's crisis while poor working class and unsheltered people are suffering through this housing crisis a surplus of empty private properties exist across the United States and placement for unsheltered people and families could easily be made if this was a priority Housing is inaccessible when profit cannot be made of it. It's clear that we cannot depend on a capitalist system that values profit over people to fix this ongoing crisis. Much of our attention as leftists and progressives is paid to unsheltered folks. Those who live on the street are and are considered homeless. But is a house without heat, water, or electricity really a home? Is a shelter without a functional kitchen or a safe place to sleep really a home? In, 2016, in a 2016 article in The Atlantic noted that of the 135 million homes in the United States, 
30 million are hazardous. This means 30 million families are regularly and unfairly exposed to health risks like asthma and pneumonia that reduce life expectancy and affect everything from mental health to education. And although heating and electricity for private residences is the greatest contributor to carbon emissions, the mansions and McMansions belonging to the upper classes are clearly responsible for a large chunk of these emissions. After all, how can reservation or urban dwellings without heat or electricity possibly contribute to carbon emissions? And that's like one thing. So like fourth world analysis provides for, right, is that there are places that have distinctly different conditions within the first world. Um, you know, whether the the question becomes how different are those conditions in that fourth world setting? And that's a case by case situation in what we consider fourth world, you know, um, because obviously you have places in a neo-colonial period, you have places that act as a semi-colonial situation. um, And then you have more explicitly colonial. um, I mean, it depends on how much like credit you give to like some conspiracies, right. In that, like, uh, the Edward, no- Snor- Edward Snowden shit um, uh, revealed that fucking we have control over, like, 23 or some allies' electric grids that they can just shut off if they don't listen to us. And I'd oh, say that's, good. that's like, a, you know, casual colonial situation. Yeah. You know? And, like, Austria is one of them. You know? Like, a European country. Like, they're not just controlling... You know, brown people, they're controlling the poor white nations that they have to in order to oh. fucking garner votes in the UN, basically. That's, that's probably system. very much how, why the reason for this, you know, war in Ukraine, right? If they, it, it, US gas companies probably want to bully for that market a little bit, but they can also destroy Europe because every time the US has had an economic crisis, it's been destroy someone and, and recover, right? Um, and I mean, you can see the most recent waves, you know, the, the fall of socialism, people talk about like, or not socialism, socialism still going, but the fall of the, the Eastern Bloc and, and the large, you know, USSR, um, that, you know, was end of history, end of the Cold War, blah, 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 that shit, right? That largely came because there was a world market crisis. And that was, that was the, the massive inflation that got like Jimmy Carter kicked out for Reagan and stuff like that, right? It was just in the seventies, there was a massive economic crisis, and the U.S. seized upon that so that a lot of the third world countries that had relations with both, you know, the Soviets and the United States suddenly were really trapped in bad loans because they were in dire economic straits and they had to loose up their economy and open it up for the West as part of those IMF, you know, structural adjustment plans. And then they got their economies ravaged. Well, that's less trait for the Soviet Union. So all of a sudden the Soviet Union got stagnation, freaked, brought in Gorbachev brought in more liberalism, stagnated farther, Eastern Bloc collapsed, and then eventually the Soviet Union fell and and Yeltsin got ravaged. And the U.S. made out like a fat rat that whole time on Africa and on the Eastern Bloc. And that's how like the great economics of of Clinton and Reagan, it wasn't about that. It was about expansive colonialism that built everything. And now there's nowhere left to colonize because the U.S. basically colonized everywhere except China. 
And so it's going to be kind of the reverse of European colonialism. Everything's already under the U.S.'s umbrella. Now the U.S. can go back and colonize Western Europe and all of the economies collapse from the energy crisis caused by this war while possibly eliminating Russia as a competitor. Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you for that, because. Damn, I did not think about that. And that was that was insightful. Thank you. Um, Our homes are where we live our lives and perform basic functions like cooking, eating, sleeping, bathing and making kin. If we consider the unsafe condition of housing shelter for a large portion of the working class then the term homeless applies to a much larger group of people than those who are unsheltered. We thus propose a program for action that seeks to provide free and sustainable housing for everyone. All people deserve the basic human right of shelter without having to worry about the possibility of displacement, health risks, or danger. We can implement a number of different strategies and campaigns to work towards this goal. We can organize grassroots direct action to place unsheltered people and families in empty surplus housing. In Albuquerque, for example, there are hundreds of vacant single-family homes on the west side of the city that are immediately available for this type of use. The recent campaign known as Moms for Housing in Oakland, California, and the efforts to house unsheltered families by occupying vacant buildings it has inspired in other cities are examples of how direct action led by unsheltered people can confront houselessness. These are types of direct action. These types of direct action place the right to shelter over the profit motives of the housing market. We can move towards ending private ownership of housing entirely by practicing collective living and building tenant-owned housing cooperatives where housing is held collectively rather than being commodified. Indigenous practices of collective land stewardship directly counter the privatization of property that causes poverty, houselessness, and displacement. Which is like, so when, this doesn't even touch on wasted space like superstores create like their parking lots or, uh, you know, you know, communists should obviously repurpose those. But then like there's also malls and we could do with a few less mega churches, I'm sure, you know, <laughs> those are like some thoughts I've had about. Close your ears, Joel Osteen. No, open them wide. So you can hear, <laughs> yeah, or we'll open it's them coming. for you. Um. So anyway, uh. But the thing is, is you know, people will be like, "Oh, you just want to put in an indigenous bourgeoisie," and it's like, no, I want to have indigenous values of collective ownership rule over the country. That's you know, and I don't mean the country; I mean the entire fucking continent, including South America too. Like. I kind of envision New Africa, if you will, from the Maoist perspective, as something that is more encompassing of the entire hemisphere, but recognizes the many worlds that fit there, you know? So that would, instead of being America, I'd much rather be New Africa, if you're going to name us after colonial conquests, you know, because it represents that connection there and if you you know did like a big ussr it wouldn't stop in north america (laughs) it wouldn't stop in the united states frankly you know it should include canada for sure because most of canada is down here on the southern border Mm -hmm. 
everything up further is definitely ours. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> and <laughs> especially the Quebecois. Fuck you guys. And for every uh, every weird fetishist of the USSR that's still here, and in spite of like everything we've been talking about on this show, especially this this season or anything you know uh, from the chunk of loot side, um, you know the USSR. I'll call you out on that shit. <laughs> the the USSR don't like me because I call that shit out. It's fucking weird. That's right. Well, the USSR rose up in 1921, not 1917, because of the conditions they were presented. And like you know, right there, what's the big communist country now? China. That had nothing to do with trying to recreate the USSR. They built that off their own history. Everywhere's material conditions will build that history. Yugoslavia, that came from that region's history. And our region's history has an entirely different setup. So we don't need to mimic that structure. Like the best we can get is maybe like there's a plural national aspect in that, you know, white people are respected as a diaspora after this. You know, you no longer have a country. (laughs) But you can have all the rights you sh- we should have been afforded while we were a diaspora. That's sort of how I see it. You know, like, we're not going to do what you did to us if you're a diaspora. And if that's not okay, I don't know. Like, you're just not going to get taken out of your fucking family home or whatever. Like, I'm more worried about Bill Gates, who's the largest landowner in America. Pretty simple. Like, you don't own land, actually. Funny enough, you own a little tiny speck of dirt. Little tiny speck of dirt. We care far more about your little lawn, okay? (laughs) Do what the fuck you want with it. Seriously. We'll enable you to turn it into a garden and have solar panels and whatever. Micro-nuclear reactors, shit. Like, who knows? The world's limitless as long as we fucking work together, actually. But fucking people want to hold us back. And it certainly isn't indigenous and black folks. Just saying. All right. Moving on to the next subsection, we are moving to Area 3, Free and Accessible Education. A person's access to education is directly related to the condition of their housing. Many indigenous, black, and migrant children struggle with academic performance in school because of unstable and hazardous housing. Education is also hindered by lack of access to adequate and free health care. Learning tools such as computers, phones, or internet service, and transportation from home to centers of education. In other words, education is linked to almost every other area of priority we have identified in this chapter. And now you have COVID, and if, you know, your school isn't doing COVID measures, mm-hmm. then you you risk losing out on even more education and permanently damaging your brain through COVID. Exactly. So it's, you know, that's harmful, that's Active. pretty fucked up. Yeah, incredibly so. There is a unique intersection between gender and sexual equality in education. For example, the LGBTQ2 plus students are more likely to experience violence in schools than other students. 10% of all LGBTQ plus 2 plus students have reported being threatened with a weapon in school, and 34% report being bullied in school. 
Transgender students are especially targeted in schools with recent rules released by the Department of Education under Trump appointed Betsy DeVos that discriminate against and exclude trans students by preventing them from reporting harassment, participating in sports or even using the restroom at school. And and let's be very clear about the like application of this. This is not only a, a uh, attack on trans students, right? But of course, there is an immense amount of misogyny and uh, that that's let out as as like trans accusations on cis women, really not to exercise anything but misogyny, right? Um, you know, like oh, she's she's too manly. She must, she, you know, have like you know, be trans and, and have a dick Ugh. or whatever. Because yeah, I mean, that's that's just straight up misogyny, and that's used especially against black women. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're, you know, seen as more masculine. So this is again, an intersection for racism and the outcome of well, this, right, the Michelle Obama conspiracy. Theory, yeah, exactly. Right? Perfect example. And, and the, uh, um, you know, the, the application of this, of course, is like in Indiana, they have a law where a girl's genitals can be inspected after a call out. And so basically like someone could go, that girl's too be doing too good at sports. And then they bring in a doctor to go rape a 14 year old. Right. Like that's that's the fucking law. Um, Or, you know, there's people that will like, oh, these uh, trans women are are a threat in the bathroom because they must be like, you know, men out for rape or whatever the shit. So let's go kick in the door on their stall and and harass them and inspect their genitals. What's Um, worse is that's often, you know, you know, when rapes happen in the bathroom, it's usually in the boys bathroom against, you know, mm -hmm. trans folk just trying not to get killed by going into (laughs) where they felt comfortable. Yeah. So it's really fucked up. Well, and let's be very clear, too. You know, obviously more access to uh, rape by, you know, some some cis man would would allow that. But that's not what's going to happen because those cis men are going to break in there anyway. You you think like illegality is going to stop them? What the fuck do you think rape is? Do you think it's legal? Like, kiss my ass. (laughs) Yeah, no, they're they're just fucking, they're projecting their own sadism, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's always, it's always projection, you know, when they they accuse LGBT, Q2 plus people of, of, you know, grooming or rape or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's the, yeah. Well, like, what's his name? The guy, Matt Walsh or whatever. Oh, he's so obsessed with the fertility of 12 year olds or whatever the shit. Yeah, so creepy. But like Betsy DeVos, she's actually from Michigan. You know, yep. and uh, so very familiar with her, especially being well connected with the teachers, uh, like the alternative schools I've gone to. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, she uh, fielded the anti abortion extremist Tudor Dixon, which, first off, last name Dixon. I don't like that. No. <laughs> Bad connotations. Bad connotations. But uh, who wouldn't support uh, abortion, even in the case of rape incest or even like risk of death like she would openly say that shit it's like imagine being a woman saying that like that just really fucked up incredibly Uh, so devos and dixon's campaign focused on pushing anti-trans rhetoric uh like one of her key issues being protects girls sports uh which a town in the up heavily influenced by the Michigan militia who tried to kidnap Whitmer, uh, actually who's, was Dixon's opponent, uh, to clarify that. But during COVID prior to, 
this was uh, the kidnapping shit happened right before January 6th, right after they test ran invading Lansing's capital. Well, the capital, Michigan, Lansing, um, where they saw how easy it was. Um, but uh, a school up here in the UP that's like basically ran by the Michigan militia banned any political expression in school, uh, much like Florida's don't say gay bill, except this policy also included indigenous symbolism too, like red, uh, orange shirt day and stuff like that, like red handprints, you know, um, that's like genocide denial. Like you're literally codifying hiding genocide. That's pretty fucked up. Yep. But yeah, that's Michigan. Oh, and of course, when they're talking about, you know, banning anything political, you have some fucking shirt that was like, if you, if you want to kneel for the flag, kneel in front of my truck or something like fucking, you know, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. That's not political. Nothing political there. Nothing. Nothing political about the American flag. No. (laughs) Not Mm. at all. Flags are never political, especially not that one. Nope. All right, kids. Time for the Pledge of Allegiance. All right. Nothing political here. Nothing, nothing to see. Oh, I used to like piss off my because they still do that shit up here. Is they'll still make you do the pledge and shit. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, like I fucking would piss them off because I'm not, I'm not doing that. And they're like, "You got it." <laughs> I was like, "I don't know." For like most of the country's history, we didn't. So I think I'm good. <laughs> I think I'm like okay. And for uh, another chunk of the country's history, we did Heil Hitler salutes instead so, of putting our hand over our hearts. So would you prefer I do that? Because I could do that. We could compromise. Yeah. Yeah. We could have that, you know, fascistic solidarity going on. I, yeah, I'm sure a bunch of them would actually really be happy to. I was about yeah, to say, cause I'm sure that's so. what you really want to be doing right now at this point. So, I mean, let's just go all in. They, I they, had a history teacher that also ter- taught German, and he yeah. was obsessed with World War Two. Oh so, no! Three strikes and you're out. Like I bet you, if I went to his closet, there would be some fucking memorabilia there. Paraphernalia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That all being said, we are. Uh, this has been Mark's Madness Pod for the week. Uh, we read books, and there are a number of different ways that you can reach out to us about those books that we read or other things that you would like to discuss. Uh, for the Mark's Madness side of this collaboration, the first way to reach out to us is on email. It is marksmadnesspod at gmail.com. Next way would be on Twitter. We're still hanging out on the hell site while the ship gets weird and burns i don't know uh but we're there uh you can hit us up on twitter uh our dms are open if you need something in there and our link to our discord server is in our twitter bio and that is where you go if you want a community of people that you are going to be like-minded uh wanting to to learn wanting to to further their their kind of knowledge of whatever it is that we may be talking about that sparked their interest um and i think it's a nice place i think it's fun uh it's it gives you a a nice group of people that you can go to on a minute-to-minute basis for questions about stuff that you may not feel comfortable asking in another environment so i love it and i would highly recommend you join uh that being said shugmati too so uh hi uh or bye i should say (laughs) you could reach uh, me at at bands island which is my personal twitter the former Twitter of Bands of Turtle Island, which is transitioning into uh, Chunkaluta1973 on Twitter. Like the at, you know, I, I should have said that first. Fuck. 
you, you can then take both of those and add at Gmail. Oh, actually, I guess you'd have to do bands of turtle island at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach me there really easily, or you can do chunkaluta1973 at gmail.com or chunkaluta at proton.me or whatever the fuck their domain is. Um, other than that, you know, if you like what you heard here, you want to hear more, or you want to help with the winter drive, there's a Patreon. There's also Cash App and uh, uh, what's that other one called? Venmo. Sorry. <laughs> there's a billion of those things yeah i was about to say which of the 45 that you could use are we referring to yeah exactly so freaking uh with that uh they're uh you know we're taking in donations to help uh pay for people's protein like, it's like i said a 250 dollar minimum uh for propane delivery right now uh i'm getting wood like i'm okay first off i'm pissed so U-Haul did the classic give away your reserved truck. Oh no! So now it's nine hundred dollars for the fucking truck. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? A grand? Uh, so it went from like you know like six hundred or whatever, some change for the insurance, to like eight hundred and some change for the insurance. I'm just like, fuck you guys. It's just terrible. And now I have an extra five feet to fill. So I'm like. Well, I guess I have more room, but that means I got to figure out how to get more wood in there, you know? Yeah. Like, where am I going to get that wood? I'm just going to start cutting down trees. <laughs> Stupid. But yeah, so like, freaking, I hate you haul with a passion. They did this to me when I moved, too. They added like an extra like $200 on it. I'm like, for what? For what? I remember looking in the office, and it was way less. What happened? I filled it up, you know, and there was no scratches. I took a video of it in the lot. And with that, I kick it over to David for his portion of the disclaimer or whatever it is that David wants to talk about. I kick it to David's corner. Yeah, the only thing I can say out there is obviously we're going through this and we're talking about the theory because we want it out there guiding your actions. And there are a lot of examples. And this book especially because it's so contemporary uh, is bringing up a lot of examples of things you can do. You can organize shutting down the ice concentration camps because, you know, they're still fucking out there. And you think this cold weather is like immune from them. This blew pretty damn far south, you know, Um organizing for, you know, abolition of prison in general. We talked about uh, the horrific conditions going on in Alabama and prisons every time there's there's any kind of, and we keep calling them natural disasters because that's the, the short term, so you know what I'm talking about. But really, these are, are climate change caused or exacerbated disasters. None are untouched by climate, climate change. So mm-hmm. They are climate disasters. Um, so, you know, anytime these climate disasters happen, Right. Um, get out there and, and organize against home uh, homelessness. You know, I mean, people need housing. They need shelter. They need to be warm. Right. Um, and so, you know, we want this theory out there guiding your actions. And if you don't put it into action, it doesn't mean anything. And we need each other. No one else is, is going to come save us. There's not some great force in the sky that's going to come raining down. And part of me going through, I, I kind of did it off the cuff because the subject came up. But the reason I had thought about that with um, the recolonization of Europe is because, 
you know, let's face it, the capitalism was set to collapse by itself in the 70s if it was going to collapse, right? Uh, the Soviet Union was at the height of its power. China was was growing. Vietnam uh, war had just begun. So, you know, you had that uh, uh, revolutionary defeatism on everyone's side. There was a civil rights movement. AIM existed. The Black Panthers existed. Things were going up and up and capitalism had a crisis and it got out and found a way to take it out on socialism. It will have a route out. Capitalism will create crisis that it cannot solve because it is an unsustainable system, and it will just make up some new weird rule to the game that will fuck up everybody else trying to do their best and give a shit about each other. So well, don't like expect it to push, just die. You have Kanye and Nick Fuentes pushing for a Christo-fascist state like mm-hmm. you know Franco, where you have to be Christian in order to have a say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah so I mean, there's 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 going to be some shit out of, and and that's really what fascism was in in Europe, right? It, it was the rise of of force and the rise of nationalism to defend it, what had collapsed as capitalism and take it out, you know, on ethnic minorities and try to defeat communism for for daring to exist. Um, and so, you know, capitalism, fascism, settler colonialism itself will find a way. What we have to do is defeat it. And that starts with each other. We can't defeat it if we're letting the people we care about die. And we shouldn't want that to happen anyway. Go out there and fight for each other. Amen, as always. Good. Thank you for that, David. Uh, uh, and this has been, once again, Mark's Madness Pod. We read books. We will talk to you all next week. My name is Nathan. I'm David. I'm Shumani, too. All right. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye.